I'm interested in the term revolution because that means many things to different people. And you look at bands like Sly and the Family Stone or Betty Davis, I think musically that was revolutionary where you had people of different genders, ethnicities come together, experiences, and then you have a group of people in Minneapolis, Minnesota come together with that same range of experiences and to call it the revolution. What is in your mind when you thought about being in that band, your experiences in that band, and what was revolutionary about it to you? Well, more importantly, it was meant to be inclusive to everyone of any age group, gender, uh, sexual orientation, and race. And that was Prince's whole philosophy, uh, was to, to bring the, uh, you know, black, white, Puerto Rican, everybody freaking from the lyric in the song Uptown from yep. 1981. <laughs> yes. So early on in his career, um, he held that belief along with the rest of us. We all had that same uh, mentality growing up, too. You know, we were all children of the 60s, and you had the whole uh, civil rights movement going on, the influence of that. You had the influence of different ethnicities working together, beginning to warm up to the idea of working together more and more in our society and multiracial marriages were taking place and uh, you know the the play chair came out the hippie movement with all of those um, philosophies being put out into the social uh, mores of the day so you so you, there was so much change afoot uh, socially social consciousness was changing dramatically in the 60s so we all had that instilled in, in us my parents actually took me to see the play Hair in Chicago. We were there on a special trip with uh, my my dad had a business trip. He took us all there with him from Minneapolis, and then my parents took us to see Hair. And <laughs> <laughs> at the age of ten, they didn't seem to mind that there there would be you know uh, nudity on stage for a ten year old. <laughs> so uh, you can kind of see where they were coming from from a liberal. Uh, standpoint in their belief system at the time so which was rare because most parents in, uh, from that time frame were not like that but uh, they were you know unless you were part of the uh, hippie movement you know and even though prince i don't think prince's parents were of that same mentality but mm -hmm. he took on what he absorbed you know coming in at him from the media and what was happening uh, in the world at that time so he kind of kept that going into his adulthood years and wanting to uh, remain, having people be included in whatever he was doing, all people. So that, that was the, the whole importance of it and what was uh, revolutionary about it. But, you know, when you go back to the Beatles, you know, they when they were playing live in the early 60s, and of course they were the, the groundbreaking group that started playing in stadiums because they were so big. But when they went down south and they were playing in places like, you know, Birmingham, Alabama, and elsewhere, where there was still segregation, they, they said, you know, we're, we're not going to play there unless mm -hmm. black people are allowed to, to come in. Dusty Springfield so, actually did the same thing when she was in South yeah, Africa. Yeah. yeah, yeah, 
yeah, Dusty Springfield. There were there were more than one artist that did that. But I think the Beatles were one of the first. So, uh, but they she followed suit, I'm sure, mm. just because that's what she believed. So, so Prince was continuing in that kind of thing, and you know, and there was still segregation going on in the music industry and in radio at the time. And uh, you know, in Minneapolis, you had one black R&B pop station, which was called KMOJ. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe mm-hmm. you haven't. Yeah. And 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 that was it. That was the go-to place for uh, black artists, and you know, playing the national black artists and the ones that were local in Twin Cities. So you know, and so when Prince in the early years would you know try to get onto. Uh, national TV shows or talk shows, he, he really he wasn't there yet. And then he broke through on MTV, of course, like Michael Jackson did ahead of him. So Michael kind of broke down the walls a bit. And then Prince came in and also did the same thing. Was, I'd say those were the two top uh, artists of that time frame that you know were able to break through into a big mass audience that were of... Uh, you know, would be classified as black music, you know, because sort of like you had the Grammys and you had the American Music Awards, they all had these categories. You were categorized, you were put into uh, black music and, and rock music and all that stuff, which was kind of unfortunate, you know, and also for, for the segregation that still was taking place back then, uh, even in the music industry and in how, you know, radio stations operated. I remember David Bowie kind of uh, holding Mark Goodman to the task on MTV about the lack of a black artist except for Prince and Michael Jackson. Uh, that always stuck out for yeah. me. Yeah, I saw that interview, too. After uh, David passed away, they, they dug that out of the archives and put that out there to show that he was a true champion of uh, civil rights you know, and equality amongst races in this country. And in Europe, you know, they're more, to, to me, you know, all the Europeans have been uh, more progressive. They've been ahead of the curve and compared to the United States when it comes to inclusiveness. So they, they find it, looking at our society, they, they can't understand why uh, we weren't more equal and open about those things in the 60s. Because they were already over the curve with that. They, they were pretty much beyond that, which is why black artists could go over to Europe and, and have a great time and go over big because they were so widely accepted. And and then, you know, this, this kind of thing with uh, our current healthcare system, it kind of carries over into the European societies believing that healthcare is a right as opposed to the United States, the only uh, industrialized nation in the world pretty much, that has not uh, taken on a single-payer system with the belief that it's a right and not a privilege. Absolutely. Thank and you. We haven't, we haven't gotten over that hump yet here, and we need to make that transition, I believe. Can we go back, back in time to when you first met Prince? 
what that was like and where that happened and how that went down and how you got involved with the revolution and playing with him. I, you were talking about how he heard you jamming, so that that's why he invited you to the band. But like your very first encounter with him, what was that like? And if you can recall, well, that. it was actually it was actually uh, for the audition to be in the group. It was the first time I met him, and I had uh, managed to get an audition through Bobby Z, the original drummer, mm. who, was work, who, who had been working with Prince's original manager, Owen Husney, at the time. And then Bobby uh, was brought in to be the drummer, even though he had been an assistant to Owen. And really, in the beginning, was only just being brought in to help Prince, you know, kind of run him around and show him the ropes. And just, you know, Bobby's a little bit older than Prince. So and Bobby was telling Prince, well, you know, if you're interested, I'd like to also you know, try to be your drummer. And Prince said, I don't know. I'm not so sure about that. But in the end, in the end, he, he brought Bobby on board to be the drummer. So by the time I got the audition to be in the band, uh, the whole band had been put together, except for the last uh, keyboard player slot. And then I was uh, through knowing Bobby and calling him and calling the manager and saying, hey, I, I, I'm really wanting to do this because Chris, uh, Bobby, had, we knew each other, uh, and he had played me Prince's demo uh, about a year before, and I just said, wow, this is a great band. Who is it? And he goes, it's not a band. It's a kid like you, same mm. age. And he did everything in the studio, and I said, wow, that's unheard of, not to mention uh, amazing. And so I just said, well, what's he doing with this? What are you going to do? And they go, well, we're going to shop it to major labels and hopefully get him a record deal and from there uh, make an album and, or two and see what happens. And I said, great, once you put in a band together. Hmm. <laughs> that's, that's when I uh, offered my services as his keyboard player. <laughs> 